I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Excited to welcome and introduce Liz Kennedy to the pod. She really does it all. She's an entrepreneur, an esthetician, an on air expert, a beauty influencer, and most importantly, a wonderful wife and mother. Not only does she share her beauty and skincare tips with her community, she also empowers them to build their confidence and self esteem through their skincare routines. Liz is a true force of nature and her energy truly captivates the room, which is why she's also so good on air and on Instagram and TikTok. You got to follow her on all the platforms, but welcome to the pod. We're so excited to have you. Thank you you so much. It's so nice to be here. So the first question we always ask when we start our pod is what's your definition of fulfillment and what is your definition of success and are they intertwined? Yes, absolutely. So I always had this fantasy of building a beauty brand where we could not only make a lot of money, but I think what's most important to me is being able to make a lot of money and having the power to change the way people perceive themselves through beauty. And I think that's what's really missing in the beauty business. Like, why can't you make a lot of money and also manipulate the way people perceive themselves simultaneously? I think people kind of just look at it as, You can either do right in the world and do positive or be successful. And I think that's a really, really horrible way to look at it. And I think that's kind of the way the world has made people think that the only way to succeed is by doing that. So my idea of success and happiness is being able to marry the two while using self-care and a beauty routine to tap into oneself so that you can be the best version of yourself at home or at your business, not just for vanity. But that's also important. Taking care of yourself and looking good is important as well. And how about for you personally? Like, I think that's more of like your work persona. But for you personally, like what leaves you feeling very fulfilled and successful? And and are they related from that sense? Yeah. I mean, for me being fulfilled, I love what I do. So much of what I do. I think people always really fascinated to be like, oh, wait, you actually like 
really see skincare differently? I'm like, yes, like I use it to slow myself down and rewire myself and give myself the respect of 15 minutes. So I love sharing that with other people. I don't even know what I would do if I wasn't in my space because I'm so happy with it and I love it so much. Like I, when someone's like, oh, you know, you made me look at this differently and made me slow down and made me rethink the way I want to live my life. I'm like, that's my job. That's that's why I'm put here on earth. Did you always know that that was your job and that that was why you were put here on earth? Yeah, since I was a kid. Really? I, uh, I grew up with a mom that's a major tomboy. All she did was like wash her skin and like put on a cream and SPF, but no makeup, played a lot of sports. I grew up with a single mom. I didn't meet my dad till I was 21. So seeing her and her life, I was always like, wow, I want to be the one to like, show women that it's not silly to care about beauty. Cause my mom was always like, oh, it doesn't matter if you're pretty, you need to be smart. You need to be smart. Like a very typical, like strong single woman mentality. Like, but wait, what, what if I want it all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if I want to take care of myself and look good and be kind and be really successful? Like who says you have to do one or the other? So since I was young, I was always like manipulating creams and seeing how they worked on the skin and because I didn't have a lot of money growing up, I would have like five products, I'd really stretch it out and I would use it like so sparingly and like really enjoy it. And that's why like, I love working with brands like L'Oreal and Garnier because 360, it's like, that's what I could afford growing up. But as I'm aging, I'm like, wow, those products are actually still like really incredible compared to a lot of what's out there. Really? So yeah, it's like, it's very uh, full circle for me. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> So you grew up with a single mom. Yeah. Was she single most of that time? Like, or was, did you have boyfriends or Yeah, partners? I mean, she dated another guy in middle school. They got married. They, it didn't last long. And I saw a lot of pain and suffering through that. And again, it's like why I turned to beauty and skincare because it was the only place, like sitting alone in a bathroom felt like a sanctuary for me, even though it was very small. I felt like it was like my own little world where I could really just sit and like turn inwards. And I don't know, it really just stuck with me my whole life. Were you cognizant at that time that it was sort of like your meditation in a way? Or were you sort of just like, oh, I did that, but that was sort of my escape. No, I was very like, that's where I felt safe. And I was really, really, really thin in middle school with like big frizzy Jewish hair (laughs) and over tweezed eyebrows. And I was like the weird new girl And because I was, you know, I didn't have like all the nice clothes and everything that like all the other kids did, I was kind of made fun of and like didn't know where to really place myself. So I always ended up finding myself alone again in the bathroom, like eating alone. So the bathroom became like a very safe space for me. And that's why my bathroom now, it's like so beautiful. And there's skincare everywhere. (laughs) Bathtub overlooking like Hollywood. Yeah, it's it's still like very much like my sanctuary, but now it's just like elevated. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful. I think as kids, it's always important to have that safe space. But I think if you can turn eating alone in school in a bathroom into your safe place, it's like, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, people always be like, so like, where do you where do you go in the world when you want to like, you know, check out? I'm like, I find a bathroom really wherever I am. <laughs> that is so funny. Cause like, I'm like, I know that's weird, but that's where I feel great. <laughs> well, because in a way that is at a young age, knowing how to take care of yourself, Correct. it sounds like. Correct. And most people don't. And I feel like that's my talent is like, I really, I feel like that's my gift to others is like, that's, 
I found that at such a young age and it's so simple and it doesn't require a lot of time and money. And it's something that you can really just do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was never really pushed, you know? And unfortunately now self-care has become this like ostracized, like commercial word and I cannot stand it. I've actually like started to hate the word self-care because I'm like, everyone's just ruining it. And it's really something that should be cherished and honored and it's not anymore. It feels just so inauthentic. And it's not, I think self-care is like they're using it to capitalize. Correct. Where honestly a lot of like what I need for self-care is different than what you need. Correct. And what Annabelle needs. Yeah. And I think yes. that's also something we need to honor. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of self-care also means not consuming and not purchasing and not looking at Instagram. A lot of self-care is listening to you, time and stillness, meditation, mm-hmm. breathing, sitting in the bathroom alone, mm-hmm. not products that are being advertised to you. So Correct. I completely agree with Correct. that. Yeah. But then at the same time, I'm like, wait, some of those products are really good. We should incorporate them. But it's like, it's that balance, right? And I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people struggle with that balance. And how do you get that balance back? You spend time alone. You turn inward, not So outward. you spent a lot of time alone as a kid. Yeah, right? a lot. Were you an only child? No, I have a sister. She's two years younger than me. We have the same birthday, July 11th, which wow. is so weird. That is so gr- So weird. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. She lives in Israel now with my dad. But yeah, I spent a lot of time alone, kind of just like in my own world, trying to kind of escape like the outside chaos. Then in high school and in college, I became the one that was always like showing people how to use things like, oh, this is how to like use a a cleansing oil or a brush. I was just always obsessed with like things and how they work, you know, yeah. especially in skin. And sharing them. Always. Yeah. Always. So you mentioned that you would go to school and like you didn't have the same, like the nice things that the people around you had. Yeah. And now obviously you've created an amazing life for yourself. Is that... My dad has a very, has a similar story in that like he came from nothing. And what I always ask him and I'm, and I'd love to ask you is like, how do you transcend your sort of narrative that you are this person? Because as a kid, that's really difficult, especially it's hard as an adult too, but especially as a kid, you're like, you know, if you grow up with a mother saying that these things aren't important or use it sparingly because you can't replace it. Sure. How do you shift your mindset into one of like, I can create more for myself. I deserve more. Like instead of identifying with that story and having it hold you back, how do you use it to empower you and move you forward? You know, it's interesting because when I was younger, I used to think, well, I not, I used to think other people made me feel crazy for being like, I can have it all. Like, fuck all of you. (laughs) Like, I don't know what you're saying. Like with this limited, like, you know, I grew up in upstate New York where people, not everyone is limited by any means, but a lot of people have a a limited mindset where they're just like, well, this is what I have and this is what I, I'm dealt and these are the cards I'm dealt with and this is the life I grew up with. And I'm like, no, I want it all. And I want it all because I deserve it all because everyone deserves it all. Like what? There's no difference between me, you, Annabelle, and some woman who made millions and comes from, she's not better than anyone. She just thought she could deserve it all and, and wanted it all. And she made it happen. So I'm like, if she could do it, why can't I? And that's really how I always thought as a child. And uh, I I thought everyone else was crazy. Did someone teach you that though? Or is yeah, that did you have like no. certain role models around <laughs> you? <laughs> I honestly, I think that the only thing I could really think of was because my, my real name, my last name 
really is a Bukhatsera. And my bloodline is the Babasali bloodline, which is, he's a very famous Kabbalist and he's my great, great grandfather. And as I age, I didn't meet my father until I was 21. And when my father explained to me what my lineage was and what my background is, he was like, listen, you have something within you that a lot of people don't. I was young. I was like, I want to party in Tel Aviv. I was like, I don't know. No one cares. You know, I was like, well, who the hell is Baba Sali? <laughs> like, no one gives a shit. And then as I started to age, people were like, hey, um, that's actually pretty important. And it's a huge part of the reason of who you are. And then I started to really look inwards and be like, wait, I did always think like this. And no one else around me did. Like, I always kind of felt like a loner and kind of strange. But because I was also obsessed with beauty and aesthetics and skincare, people would be like, she's just like the stupid beauty girl who like is in her own world. So I kind of just, you know, pushed everyone out and started doing my own thing. And I started to realize like, wow, this was actually always inherently within me. Mm-hmm. And then I started studying it more, hence Kabbalah. And uh, it just became so normal to me. And I was like, oh my God, this is why I am the way I am. And even like, whether I was in the bathroom all the time, it was either that or sitting under a tree by myself. And I was always obsessed with trees. And like, even on our walk, I remember I was like, these trees are so, big. I'm like, I'm always just so fascinated by trees. And then I realized so much of trees is rooted in spirituality and Judaism. And I'm like, oh my God, this all, like it all makes sense as to who I am. So I didn't have these role models, even though my mom's super smart, super strong, went to NYU, has a master's as a teacher, like a hundred percent incredibly smart, but not spiritual kind of, I mean, I hope she doesn't hear this, <laughs> kind of played victim, you know, like definitely victim mentality, like why me, why me? And I just didn't look at life like that. And I was like, wow, if I can build a company where it's about being magnetic and showing women how to draw things to them in a way that's digestible and like not phony and weird and just easy to digest, you know, I think I could change the world through beauty in a way that's really different And that's what I'm doing now. I mean, it's like, it's so crazy how life works, you know, like it all kind of slowly, but definitely surely pulled together over time. Yeah. I think like your mindset from a really young age has helped you get here, right? Because you didn't have the limiting beliefs that I think most kids would have growing up in that environment. You'd never played victim, even though you easily could have not having the same access to certain things that a lot of people had, not having a father at home with mm-hmm. you constantly. Mm-hmm. So your your mindset, but did you, I know manifestation has played a lot of role in your life. When did you like actually grasp the concept of manifestation and like, or how did you know, like when you started to like manifest? I don't know. I don't know if there was like necessarily like a spark moment. I just, instead of manifest, I use magnetize or magnetic because it's obviously like very true and authentic to me and it's my brand and it's, it's just how I see things. But I think I was in such a bad place in high school and college that after that is when it happened. I think that's when things started to kind of work more for me because I changed the way I wanted to see things fully and how I wanted to draw everything to me. You know what I mean? But how are you so self-aware about that to change the way you think? Because like, I mean, trauma Jasmine makes and I- you very, <laughs> gives you a great personality. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what were the things? So people are like, how are you self-aware? And like, so I'm like, 
that's trauma, baby, and that'll do it. When you said you had a rough time in college and high school, is that kind of socially from like the other kids or is that? No, definitely not socially. I feel like I've always been so extroverted my whole life. I think what I mean by struggling is like in high school and in college, I was so frustrated by the fact that like all my friends around me were going to like Ivy League schools and they were so smart and I hated school. I was miserable in university. I was like, this is not my personality. I felt like school was for the bell curve. I didn't feel like it was for the entrepreneurs. Or for, I was like, I'm not, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a nurse. I don't want to be, I don't want to do any of those things. I want to build. I want to create. I, I, I love selling things. I love I love connecting the dots and I felt like there was no place for me. So it was incredibly frustrating. And I I just constantly felt like I was around people that were still really smart. So I was like, where the hell do I belong? And where's where's my place? So after I was in college in Florida, when I came back up to New York, I was living in Brooklyn. And I remember just meeting people in New York City being like, oh shit, like there's other people like me that like don't necessarily fit the bell curve, right? And they like want to do things outside of that. And, you know, coming from upstate New York, it's different. There's not like a shit ton of entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. necessarily, you know? It's people who want a very specific type of life. And um, it wasn't until after college, because in Florida, it's not like a, a lot of entrepreneurs at that time necessarily were there. And I was in college, so everyone was studying still. So it wasn't until after all that that I was surrounded, of course, in New York with other people that were like you like found that. your tribe. Yeah. And yeah. that really helped you come to life and be like, no, I don't have to fit into society's box or bell curve or whatever Correct. you want to call it. Correct. To create your own thing. Correct. So how did you start? Oh, geez. So I got licensed as an esthetician when I was 24. Because that's something, something like that, that was core to you from day one. Oh, yeah. I was always addicted to skin. I loved. I actually thought I was going to work in a plastic surgeon's office because I loved cutting skin. I loved seeing the way it healed. Like, I, I didn't mind blood. Like, I loved all of that. And then once I started doing TV work, I was like, oh, actually, I love it. I think from my mom's side, like, the education. I love the educational component, but because— I have a personality and I'm extroverted. I was like, I don't think I belong in a doctor's office just like helping cut things open and sewing and, you know, being more on the back end. I was like, I love education. I love innovation and I love selling. I think I belong on the front end. So when I was an esthetician, I went to nursing school for like a year and a half, maybe two, dropped out when I started doing a lot of TV work. And then it kind of snowballed into QVC for Cindy Crawford's line, Access, E! News, all that. And then when I started engineering the product was when I was dropping out of nursing school because I was just listening to what women complained about. And what they were constantly complaining about was, can't find my shit. My drawers look crazy. My stuff is everywhere. And it's not aesthetically pleasing. You look at your countertops, it's crazy looking. It's like a million different products, different shapes, different sizes. Can't ever find anything. I'm like, well, what if I can simplify women's drawers, minds, lives? And manipulate the way they think about themselves simultaneously. I'm like, it's perfect for me. Did you ever have any doubts or like, can I do this? Am I equipped to do this? Or were you always very... Oh my God, being an entrepreneur. Like last week I was like, fuck this shit. I hate this. I'm miserable. Like doing a capital raise right now after SVP and like all these crazy things happening. Everyone's like, it's the worst time to raise. I'm like, yeah. But then again, then when I'm out of the depression of like someone saying no to me, then I'm like, 
when a recession hits, women can't afford to go into an office or a spa. They turn inward. And anyone knows who's a good investor that beauty is recession proof. So just keep going. You know what I mean? Like I have those days where I'm like, it's true. Pandemic proof too. Pandemic proof, but it's just in the moment. Of course, I'm an entrepreneur. So it's like, there's days where I'm like, fuck. And I'll just like sit in the tub and cry with a glass of wine, maybe a bottle, you know, because (laughs) even though I don't drink, let me tell you when after you've had six calls with an investment group and they've met your partners and you're on a million calls and then they're like, we just don't know if we can do it right now. You're like, fuck. <laughs> but when you were younger, when you were in like New York for the your young years there, yeah. in your 20s, did you for a second start to doubt what you were doing and maybe sign up for like corporate job or anything? Did you ever have a sense of like wanting to have more structure and to like belong to, I guess, what society calls as that no, box? Definitely never felt that pressure of like, having to have a job that was more structured and like socially appropriate. Because when I got licensed as an esthetician, remember this is when I was 24. So when we were 24, skincare was for stupid girls. Makeup was for stupid girls. Like my family's like, what do you do? What are you going to pop pimples for the rest of your life? And I was like, no, I'm fascinated by, I think there's a lot more to this than just rubbing shit on your face. I think you can change the way women see themselves and make themselves feel better. Like there's something to this. So I kind of just saw it differently from day one. And then the pandemic hit and everyone was addicted to skincare Mm because everyone was stuck at home. And I'm like, holy shit, this is like our time, which unfortunately now every celebrity thinks it's their time to start a skincare line too. (laughs) But I think that'll naturally phase out. I think consumers are really smart now and they want someone that like actually understands it and Mm -hmm. educated in it. But um, no, I never felt like that pressure to get something more structured. I kind of always been like doing my own thing since I was a kid. So no. So you naturally like had kind of this confidence. Yeah. Despite what everyone else was doing. Yes. And what Do you think that came from stuff? your mom, that yeah. confidence? Yeah. yeah. She's super strong. She's really smart. She's definitely fake it till you make it. And even when you're feeling bad, you got to just keep trucking. So when you had bad days as a kid, what would she tell you? No one cares. Work harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, might be slightly toxic, but it's true. It's like, no, but truly, no one, no one really cares yeah, about true. you. They're, everyone's self centered in yeah. their own world. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm still very much so, like, when I am depressed or upset, I give myself proper time to cry it out and, like, ugly cry for a solid hour, maybe sit in bed eat some shitty carbs. Like, I don't suppress myself like that, but then I'm like, okay, you did that. It's time to move on. You did it. Okay. You so gave you yourself that, that space. For... Let's let's keep it moving. Like yeah. it's enough. You need to know when it's enough. <laughs> so when you were younger, were you just like, I'm going to help women. I know I can do this. I like have this in me. Or was it m- more money driven? Or was it like, I'm going to like break out of this life and I'm, I want more for myself. Like what was sort of like the vision that both. kept both? Because yeah. you wanted both. it all. I wanted it all. You were like, I'm I not need gonna... it. I was like, I want it all and I'm going to have it all and no one's going to stop me. It all. But I was always just so fascinated by the fact that, and I still hear this. I still hear this from sleazy guys and like, oh, the beauty people. I'm like, it's so much more than just rubbing shit on your face. It's a time for a woman to have 10 to 15 minutes alone, whether they're single, married, kids, no kids, working, not working, or juggling a million freaking things. It's self-respect is what it comes down to, Mm -hmm. you know? So- it was always just so much more to me 
than what people perceive it to be. But the money piece was very important to you. Oh, as well. yeah. yeah. I, Can I you was, talk about yeah. a, little, a little about how your relationship with money has changed sure. over the years? I was very much raised where I didn't even have a credit card till after college because my mom was like, you don't spend money you don't have, which as an entrepreneur, we always spend money in our business that we don't have. You can't grow if you don't. So completely different mindset. But growing up, I never spent money that I didn't have. I was super cautious about cash and I had a very negative perception about it because I was raised in a home where it's like, the quote, uh, you have wine taste on a beer budget was said quite often. I was like, I have wine taste and I will have whatever I want. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to figure it out. I wanted everything. And I think the worst thing that people can do to themselves is assume that they can't have it all. Who said you can't have it all? Why does it have to be an ego or a perception of I'm better than someone else? No, everyone can have everything that they want because everyone wants something completely different from another person. And there's nothing wrong about wanting to enjoy beautiful things at all. Yeah. Not having shame around that. There is like inherently shame around being like, I want to make a lot of money or I want that. Yeah. And Especially then, for women to say that. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like, oh, women yeah, should be true. at home taking care of their kids. And like, I look at Liz and I really admire her, especially like having this baby any week now. Like she has built a very, very successful career for herself. She is a wonderful mom. She has a wonderful relationship with her husband. She has a beautiful house. She has amazing community of friends. And like, she lives and breathes like what she does. She's clearly fulfilled. Yeah. yeah I think it is so interesting that I didn't really think about that, how like it's probably more normalized for men to be like, I want it all. But yeah. For women, it's like, but also I think it's making someone, I guess the judgment is really comes from just making them just because you want money yeah. or are driven by money doesn't mean that's all that you are. Correct. And you're not defined by that. Correct. And I think that's sort of what happens, but okay. So I have a question. Yeah. I'm going to quote an Instagram caption of yours that really resonated with me because I said to Annabelle, this is kind of the ethos of our podcast. So you gave some context and then you said, it's easy to look at someone's life and say, quote, must be nice or quote, she has it all, but you never really know someone's full story via social media. So, and then you go on to say, once you manipulate the way you think about yourself, you can magnetize literally anything about you want to your life. I know this because I'm living proof of it. Mm -hmm. So this spurs a lot of questions for us. Yeah. It's like a lot of what our podcast is about. Yeah. I think this idea of having it all, what is having it all, et cetera. And we are living in the age of assumptions and social media is just like, you don't know mm -hmm. people's story or what they're going through and that you could be posting for your business and having a really shitty day. Sure. And like that happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. So as someone who came from less and, and made your own path here, what were some assumptions that you made or some expectations you had about having it all that didn't turn out to be exactly what you expected or like that made you feel like, oh, I kind of thought if I made all this money, I would have X or if I had this career, I would have Y or family. Was there anything that you, when you arrived or you were like, I'm living the life that I've been calling in for a while that maybe wasn't exactly true and maybe even better than you expected. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't know. I don't think I'm there yet. I don't okay. know. Like I, I'm not at that. I, I know it's, you know, other people could see certain people and say, oh, well, they do have it all. It's like, I don't think I have it all yet because I haven't built the business where I've been able to reach thousands and millions of women to do my agenda on earth. Mm. So I don't think I'm there yet. Okay. So you you're know still what I mean? in the process Yeah, anyway. I'm, still, I'm definitely still in the process. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But okay, so to take Jasmine's question and make it more of like, I guess, like journey-based. So you, okay. you still have like, have it all like is coming, right? That's like future and that's like goal and you have a whole vision of what you want to create. Yeah. As a kid, like, think about, like, your inner child, like, looking at you right now. <laughs> like, what are some maybe misconceptions or fallacies or assumptions that you have then that, like, no, actually, money doesn't actually change this or that, right? Because you you did come from, like, polar extremes. Sure, sure. I don't know. I think the way that I viewed everything, I knew it wouldn't be perfect. Mm. Because you always hear those stories of people that are like, I mean, we've heard these stories since we were kids, right? Like the jokes of like, you know, everyone who lives in Beverly Hills in these homes are like delusional and they're like in miserable marriages or like whatever. Like a lot of it's true. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like once you arrive into that world, you're like, oh shit, like it's not BS, you know? Mm -hmm. So none of it was a surprise. I don't know. I felt like intuitively, like I kind of knew what was going to happen. So I'm kind of like, I feel like I was placed into these situations to study it so that I can regurgitate it back to my younger self and back to that little girl who like needed a me. Cause I, the reason I'm doing everything I'm doing is cause when I was younger, I was like, where's me? Like, where's the Liz in these business situations? All I see is like rich girls that come from rich families that, you know, have the perfect setup or their celebrity is like, where's me? Where's that girl? Like, where's the Jamie Lee Karmas and the the Barbara Corkins? Like, you didn't hear these stories as much necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like before the internet. I mean, right. we're in our 30s. So it's like, this is before Facebook. This is before, mm -hmm. which makes me feel like 95 years old right now. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. But I just wanted a me. But I had heard all these stories of what we're currently living in. And I knew it wasn't BS. So I was like, okay, I'm going to insert myself into the highest elevated place possible. I'm going to take everything and I'm going to spit it back out to the masses in a way that's digestible so that that younger girl could get there a lot faster than I did. Mentally, spiritually, physically, mind, body, soul, 
And I'm 34. I want her to get there at like 25, even if it's not like financial success. Like I want her mentally to be there much earlier, even like middle school, high school, because I think there's, there's so much that I knew, but I didn't know the tools per se. You know what I mean? Like when something, when something's already within you, you're like, okay, great. I have this power, mm-hmm. but what do I do with it? Because no one else around me has this power. So how do I take these tools and use it for everyday life? And that's where I think actually, like we were talking about earlier, that's where I think Kabbalah is, it's spirituality for logical people. It's tools that you can use to manipulate the way you perceive yourself and others. And so do you feel like that's done a great service to you and like being able to hold yourself to that every day? Yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. It's taken everything I inherently understand and know within me and giving me the tools and proper ways to use it practically every day. And do you think changes in your personal life? So for example, when you met your husband um, or when you had your first child, did you feel like those changes actually helped you find more of these tools inside of you? Like, I think sometimes, at least for me, um, you know, when I met Aaron, I started to feel a lot safer. It was Mm -hmm. like safe security. So then I felt that I could actually portray my magic more to the world so that I could take risks so that I could go out there. Mm -hmm. Um, So was there something that those two big changes in your life kind of gave you or did you like learn something about yourself? I know childhood, I mean, motherhood actually changes a lot of you and and you uncover a lot of things and Mm -hmm. you you build from that place now too. I think that's a two-part question. The my husband part, and then the okay, baby let's part, start with so the I'll husband. tackle the husband. So when I met Claude, I was 24 turning 25, and I'm a cancer sign. Mm-hmm. So I crave security and companionship. And in order to have had any success, I needed that. Like, I could not be, like, young, running around wild and free. That's not my personality. I love security. I love safety. And because I wasn't raised with that necessarily by having two parents, I really craved companionship and love and definitely security. Like if I don't feel secure in business, in love, in a friendship, I'm like very uncomfortable and I'm not about it. That's the cancer in me a hundred percent through and through. So when I met Claude, I did have that security and safety to kind of be like, okay, now I can focus on me Hmm. because I had him to ground, just like, yeah, like you and Aaron, like you were like, oh, I feel safe and secure. Now I can like do my thing and do my Annabelle thing. Yeah, like unlocks a part of you. A hundred percent. I think all women have that. I think all women want to feel safe and secure, right? It's like, it's innately within us. Totally. So with him, yeah, that definitely allowed me. I mean, he helped me pay for aesthetic school. Like I helped him build his business. He helped me with school so that I could, you know, take that and then start my journey. But- Yes, for sure. If I didn't have that safety, there's no way I would have been able to get to where I'm at. I mean, we helped each other. We built everything together. Now, Jordan unlocked a lot. That's her three-year-old, by the way. Yes, Jordan. My baby is Jordan. He's three and a half. And when I had him, I thought it was going to be blissful. I thought motherhood was going to be magical for me. It unlocked a lot of shit that I did not realize I never dealt with. (laughs) Like Mm. I realized I was uncomfortable not doing anything besides focusing on one thing, which was my kid. 
I just thought it was going to be completely different. So it unlocked a lot of the traumas that I had to deal with personally. And I hated the baby stage. Like, I hated it. Some people love it. They're enamored by it. I could not stand it. This stage, the toddler stage, which a lot of women hate, I'm obsessed with. Like, I love the little personality. I love the snuggles. I love I love fighting with him. Like, I love... Uh, we like talk shit to each other. I'm like, no, you can't do that. He's like, no, you can't do that. Like, I love, I love the banter, you know, like, I think it's so cute. But um, like, we just fought yesterday. He's like, you need to work. I want more toys. I'm like, you need to work. He's like, okay, I'm going to go to work. And he's like sitting on the counter on his fake laptop. Like, (laughs) I just think it's so funny. I'm like, who are you? Like, what is this child? (laughs) So like, I don't know, just unleashed so much in me. But I think what's funny is like, all women, all mothers will agree that having a child forces you to focus on only the things that really bring you peace, joy, or money. (laughs) You know, like I only want to spend time with people I really love and we add value to each other's lives because my time is limited. So it's like, if I'm not working, I have to be with people that I enjoy being around. I've always been like that, but now so more than ever. So... I think that answered. Both yeah, parts. no, that was that was great. <laughs> I think yeah, I've heard from a lot of people that motherhood makes you much more efficient with your time, more conscious yeah. with your time. Oh yeah, because why would I want to be with someone that makes me miserable or in a business meeting that I know is not really going to go anywhere and it's just like a lot of chatter when I can be with my kid? You've also created great boundaries, right? You have like work time and then you have time away from your phone purely with Jordan. And yes, I think being alone is critical to not just being an entrepreneur, but as a human being, like you need time to be alone, to talk to the universe, to talk to God, to talk to yourself. Like you need to be alone. And most people are just so busy, like being busy that they're trying to take energy from everywhere other than figuring out themselves. And being alone within yourself is just, it's so critical to like making things happen. It's scary sometimes to be alone. It's so scary. But you know, I'm also working on this too. Like when I travel for work, I get so depressed being in a hotel room by myself. That's why I always love to crash with friends. And I'm like, no, like you need to learn, like you're used to like 15, 20, 30 minutes. Maybe you need to be alone for an entire night. It's healthy. Yeah. You know, it's healthy. Yeah, definitely. Other than Kabbalah, is there anything else that you do that helps you? Like, do you have like the therapy help, coaching, like other kind of practices for support? Or do you find that you're just like very self-aware and you act on like more intuition? So for me, working out. So when I was a kid, I did so many sports because I had like a lot of anger and like resentment towards my situation. So I'm very pro sports in general. I did ballet, soccer, dance, track. I was in a million different things and I'm still really, really, really physical and active. Like working out is such an integrated part of my life. Like if I don't work out, I'm just a completely different person. Like I love moving my body. I think it's really important for kids to be in sports. I think it's so healthy to get at that like anger in a really positive way. So for me, I always turned to being alone, self-care or working out, which working out for me is self-care. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I That's definitely more my thing. I have to be honest. I think the therapists, especially in LA, I'm like, what are we, the whole hour is just you saying, how does that make you feel? It's not working for me. Like I've yet to find a therapist that's like. Jasmine can help you. She's, perhaps, she has yeah. a lot. I have a lot of coaches, therapists. I'm like, perhaps I need a better all. one. Cause I'm like, yes. 
I'm sitting here paying two fifteen an hour for you to say, how does that make yeah. you feel? Like, I could be your therapist. <laughs> like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think as... I actually really stick by this, but I think as an extrovert, Mm. if you are an extrovert and you are someone who has friends who will listen or family or loved ones who will listen, you don't need the therapist that's going to ask you how that makes you feel because you basically already have that. Right. So what you're looking for is someone with an outsider lens who can actually help you understand what's going on and fix it. Provide tools too. I like tools. Totally. So I think coaches are probably more where you want to, like I have an amazing coach right now that Annabelle just started seeing, but I think, yeah. And like, but there are some like, like a Karina, like my therapist, I think that she's, she calls me out. Like she's not like, like. how do you, has to make you feel? That's what I like. I I will, will, I'll send you her info. There was a TikTok where it was like a girl. She said, what happens when you find um, a therapist on Groupon for $5.99? And the therapist was like, girl, get the fuck up. Stop crying. Don't be a little bitch. You're like hood as fuck. Get up. Get your life together. And she was like, this is what you find on Groupon for $5.99. I was like, that's the type of therapist. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds pretty good. Sometimes right? you need that. Like, Sometimes you need to yes. like, shut up. Yes. Like, let's it. make You got to get out of your head. You got to get but out of your head. one thing you just mentioned, which I want to touch on, is you said you had a lot of resentment growing up. Yeah. First of all, where did the resentment stem from? So is it, is it the fact that you came, you didn't have a lot of things, you were felt inferior sure. and whatnot? And how did you take that resentment and not go into victimhood, which a lot of people end up by doing? Like, I'm so resentful. Everyone feel bad for me. I'm never going to have what I want. And let it actually empower you to be like, no, I can have it all. I was resentful for all those things because even though I was upstate New York and there wasn't like extreme wealth by any means, I was around so many lovely families. Like all my friends had really lovely families. And I wasn't really ever home. I was always at my girlfriend Nicole's house or Emily's house. And like that family feeling, you know, like I really loved that. I think that because I grew up, I grew up half Ashkenazi Jewish, half Sephardic. Mm. But the area I grew up, there was like five Jews that were like white, no dark, no Persians for sure. Mm -hmm. No Moroccans, no Sephardic, none of that. So when I met my dad at 21, the way I kind of explain it is we're all fruit. We're all bananas, oranges, pomegranate, whatever. I would look at it like I was a banana and everyone around me was an orange. And then when I went to Israel, I was like, oh, my God, there's other bananas. <laughs> like, right. I'm not the only, like, I always feel, like, so weird. Like, why do I feel so strange, right? And it was kind of like a, a very full circle moment for me. So I think that resentment, I didn't know why I was resentful. Mm-hmm. And then I figured out, like, I was like, oh, because I didn't have anyone else like me, around me. So maybe a sense of belonging. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So more than just like things, it was ju- it was yes. a sense of belonging. Yeah, it was a sense of belonging. It was lack of things. It was lack of that family dynamic. All that shit combined, yeah, for sure. That, it's so crazy how a sense of belonging is. It's come up in the last few podcasts we've recorded. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this too. We both have immigrant parents. And a sense of belonging is so interesting because it's obviously crucial. It's like one of the things that I, especially from these conversations and learning that everyone needs, especially as a kid, I think it can really, really fuck you up because you're just like, I don't belong. I don't belong. And then you create this unworthiness around it. And like, you just don't feel safe anywhere. And if you, I'm actually asking this, if did you feel safe at home with your mom? Definitely felt safe. 
but no sense of community. Right. Or so belonging. It felt lonely. That's why Shabbat is so important to me now. And that's mm. why I don't invite just Jews for Shabbat. I invite everyone. My yeah. girlfriends that are Asian, Black, Christian, Muslim, everyone's in my house because I think it's so important to feel a sense of belonging, whatever the hell you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so important to me because I'm like, I always felt, especially LA can feel very isolating. You guys know, especially really living can. in New York where everyone's together 24 seven, LA can feel so isolating. So I think it's really important to have that. And I don't know, I just have this like fantasy of always having like over the top, but very intimate Friday night dinners so that everyone, they leave feeling like they have a sense of belonging. So that's beautiful. And that's actually something that Annabelle and I also have in common. Like we both love to host. We love bringing people together. It's a part of our magic. It like makes us feel good. Probably selfishly makes us feel a sense of belonging. Like it's a really amazing feeling. And I'm pretty sure like blue zones, you know, where they live the longest in the world. What's blue what? Blue zones. What's that? So it's like areas in the world that they live the longest. So Costa Rica is one, Sardinia is one. Okay. There's a bunch of them. There's actually what they call like blue zone solution. When they study these communities, they're like, what makes them live longer? And I think one of the pillars I'm 99% sure is community. Sense of belonging in community. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. It's like, it's really important. Yeah. To feel like you, I mean, even it sounds like that's kind of what your husband also gave you is a sense of like, and Aaron gave that to you as well. Yeah, for sure. A sense of like, we can do this together. For sure. How did you guys meet? We met through a mutual friend. Okay. And it's so funny because when we met through Chris, this is the guy, we, uh, oh my God, it makes me feel 95. It's so funny. When we met three months later, all the dating apps started. Okay. And like, remember when we were like 24 and like all those dating apps blew up and I remember being like, I want to download one just to like, see how it works. And, uh, I remember telling Claude, I was like, I just want to like, see. And I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful that we met organically, even though so many people meet through apps, it's totally normal now. But I think people have app fatigue now though. App fatigue for sure. And there's just nothing better than like meeting through someone. Yeah. Because then they're vetted. Yeah. Yeah. Apps are such an interesting thing. It's like widen the pool, but it's also create a lot of issues, I think, and a lot of like bad habits, I would For say. sure. Like just looking at someone immediately. Yeah, and maximizing, like, yeah. I think like and vanity, paradox of choice. And vanity so and thinking vanity. something else, the grass is greener on the other but side. But also it's like yeah. looking at the pictures that you post, like, oh my God, does that look pretty enough? Or like, what do you think of this picture? This yeah, picture? Right. It's like, Caring about the wrong things and energy can't be captured really through photos. No, and like who has the physical a photographer, world. you know, walking around like a hundred percent. It's such a funny thing. Yeah. And I've actually, I was just talking about this with friends about how we were all discussing, like, do we think it's the apps that have kind of made men a little less in their masculine, a little less sure. like forthright and like taking control. Cause they're just like, well, I can swipe. Sure. You know, like, so yeah. in a way it's been very helpful. Like you can meet much more, many more people than you would have before, but in some ways it's sort of like. Yeah. Not even a question. Yeah. It's, I mean, when you understand life at like a deeper spiritual level, we all know like the physical is mm-hmm. just like what's already is done is spiritually already manipulated yeah. from above. Well, so, so you this believe is that a, you like, I mean, I do too, but yeah. yeah. That things happen as they should. And yeah. Yeah. So it's you were like, we were just when you met game. Claude, did you know you were like, this is it? We moved in together after two weeks of dating. Wow. So. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Would not suggest that for anyone. I, I I feel like I should be cautious of telling people that because it's like. No, but that was what was true for you. Sane, you know, 
sane and sound advice. But it worked out but for you. It worked out. But do you yeah. think that's because you were you were craving like that sense of belonging or that sense of like that family unit? Because probably you didn't had have a lot that. to do with it. Yeah, yeah probably. So had a lot, a lot to do of with it. a lot of things from your childhood have really dictated. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Your decisions. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And do you still hold on to resentment from no. your childhood? No. And I think the only reason that I didn't have a victim mentality is because innately within me, I was like, it's not going to get me anywhere. And that's something I just understood. And I've realized as I've aged, a lot of people don't understand that, which is part of the reason that I'm like, okay, how do I work with the best doctors and psychologists to manipulate that while a woman is doing her routine so that she can think like that too? Because that's one of my superpowers is that I had that. I had a lot of things I have to work on and still, but that was my superpower. So I'm like, well, how can we bottle this? Yeah. And bring it everywhere. I think it's it's so interesting that you say that about the victim thing. It's absolutely true. Definitely caught myself being like, uh, like, you know, whatever, moaning and whatever. But mm-hmm. sometimes it's just, it's, it is easier to be the victim, although it get, doesn't get you anywhere. And like I said, you know, I allow myself to like cry oh, yeah. and complain and eat the pizza and cry and drink the wine. I think that's normal. And I think to suppress that's only going to cause a significant more amount of problems. But then you got to move. You got to make moves because you can get stuck in that and it's not going to serve you. It's not going to serve anyone else. Definitely can get addicted to your story, whatever that story is. Of course. That's what I think is so interesting. The agility of the mind to like, like I always, that's what I was thinking about my dad. I'm like, did you envision this life? Like how did you? Yeah. Yes. He always had a vision for himself. And you know, what's really interesting is actually I asked him about this the other day and we want to have him on the podcast too. But he was like, my parents both, when I asked them about a sense of belonging as immigrants, they were like, we left at an old enough age Mm. that we actually- How old were they when they left? My dad, I think was 21, 22. Oh, wow. Actually young. Yeah, young, but like old enough where it's like wasn't his formative years of being a child and whatever. And my- Mom was 18, but it is interesting to think about, like, they were like, oh, I, we were in Iran at that time and grew up with that. So we didn't feel like we were with all of our bananas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like (laughs) we were already like, so we didn't have this complex. Sure. Whereas like I was in a predominantly white school, like private school where like we didn't have as much. And I like was the only Persian, one of like three Persian students. But I do think your sense of belonging and your sense of safety, as we we're saying, like your relationship, your home life, whatever, is what's going to dictate being able to like have that agility and being like, can I dream bigger? Can I create more for myself and like get there without yeah. stop getting in my own way? Which yeah, we all do. Absolutely. Yeah, we really all get in our own heads all the time. Mm-hmm. But it, it's really like for me, it's so interesting that you were able to as a kid, when you didn't know much better to just have the time to cry in the bathroom, whatever it was, and then be like, okay, time to go face the world. It's like you almost had no choice, right? Because you had to fend for yourself. Yeah. I would literally, and I still find myself doing this now, which it can either be positive or negative. And I know when it's positive or negative, I'll just like look straight ahead and it's almost like robotic or I'll just like look straight, like shake it off. You know, I'm like, I got to snap out of it. And that's when it's either positive robotic or like, 
when something really hurts me or annoys me instead of being like super emotional about it. Cause I'm a cancer. I'm super emotional. But the ugly side is like, I can just shake it off and be like, no, keep moving. You know what I mean? So it's, I think it's more positive though. than negative, but I know when I'm being nasty too. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's really Where it's powerful. like the ugly one, but it's powerful. Yeah. Cause it I'm is. like, let's go. Like, I mean, it's more productive. Yes than like ruminating on yes. it and being like, oh, I'm, this is me, you know, whatever. I mean, right. obviously maybe there's a level of sometimes you're like, I'm not giving myself that grace to Correct. feel, but were you always really in tune with your emotions? Like, did you always allow yourself that? Yeah. I mean, I'm a can't, I'm ruled by, by emotions. emotions and the moon and hard outside, very gooey inside. <laughs> yeah. But are you kind to yourself? Is your inner voice kind? Yes. In those moments yes. too? And always? Yes, always. The times where I'm really hard on myself post-pregnancy, which I think all women are really disgusting to themselves post-pregnancy. It's really horrible. Sad. That, if I were to have a child again, we talked about this. I was like, I would completely look at it differently and I wouldn't be hard on myself. I would be very, very, very different the second time around. I was also just so, I had such a fear mentality that I was going to be like not able to get back to work. And that fear was fake, you know, mm-hmm. and really constrictive. Like it was just constricting me, but it was also hormones. So it was a maj podge of hormones things. Hormones are tough. It's it was like a, a maj podge. It, it is. It is. Yeah. So that's, I'm like, it almost feels like a dream, you know? But when I am really hard on myself is with work, not personal stuff, but with work stuff. Interesting. Why yeah. do you think that is? I think like any entrepreneur, I want to see growth faster, quicker, stronger, smarter, you know. How is um, raising money, like raising capital for like a predominantly female product or products that in a like male landscape? dominated world. Yeah. Um, the guys that get it, get it. The guys that don't, don't. <laughs> like, you know, my first raise of a million was not easy, but the people involved now are fantastic. Like all the men I work with are great. So now I'm at the point that now I'm doing my second raise. I'm like, the only way I'm going to be able to do this is by working with people that are just as great as the first time. So even if someone came and was like, oh, we're ready to drop the cash, but I knew they were going to be super controlling or like not let me lead or have the creative control, I'd be like, it's not going to work out because you got to trust me and I got to trust you. So I don't know. I'm looking at that differently this time around too. And I know I got to walk the walk and talk the talk, right? I'm like, if you're going to talk about being a magnet, take a little bit of a backseat and know that it's going to come. Just chill, but just do the work. (laughs) Was there ever a moment where you were like, holy shit, I am not walking the walk right now? Absolutely. And like, I need to get it together. Absolutely happens all the time. What was that moment? And or when those moments happen, like, what do you do to kind of like be like, I need to turn this around? Again, I cried out. Okay. I give myself so that time. So you release time. that emotion. I totally release it. I do not suppress it. I hate that toxic positivity that where is, it's like, yeah. you can only be like all the time. No, it's toxic. Yeah. You need to cry it out and you need to eat shitty food. And then you need to go to the gym the next day and start fresh. What kind of workouts do you do? Weight training because I want to be really strong for me and my family. Pilates because I feel like it keeps me really long and lean and tight. And then I take my little wiener dogs 
for a walk. They're so cute. <laughs> my little rodents, I call them. My little my rodents. and I go on many walks. Um, okay, so this has been unbelievable. I, I feel very inspired. Um, Me too. To Same. end every podcast, we always ask, what's the point? So what is the point, Liz? The point is to create the person I needed for my younger self. That is beautiful. I don't even want to say anything else after. So thank you so much. I love you guys. This is so fun. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.